Hello, everyone. My name is Dylan Huang. And I'm Rachel Chan. This podcast is brought to you by AmHalm, a mental wellness app that provides guided meditation, stories, as well as journaling to help you along your personal self-care journey. Our guest for today is Aviro Pandey, the CEO and founder of AmHalm. Hello, Mr. Pandey. Thank you so much for taking the time to conduct this interview with us today. To begin, may I request that you provide a brief background of your career in the entrepreneurship and digital development industry so that we can get to know you. Hey guys. Hey everyone. Hey Dylan. Uh, I'm Aviral, as you know, I'm a founder of Amham. Now I've had like four near entrepreneurial stints before this. Two of them were very successful companies. I started my schooling <laughs> in the eighties, in the mid eighties. I was a pretty studious guy. Uh, always believed in knowledge sharing of knowledge at a point in time and finished my schooling in India, went on to do my bachelor's in engineering, bachelor's in technology uh, at, uh, at Indian Institute of Technology, which is pretty <laughs> well known in India in this part and I guess in the area as well. Uh, now, when I came out, I was going to pursue my PhD at that point in time. I had a research publication and I went for that, that conference where it was supposed to be presented. And the entire way the conference was being conducted, that kind of this, I mean, brought out the disenchantment with the entire idea of going ahead with the research. <clears throat> maybe I wasn't ready for it. Maybe I wasn't ready to take it all. So I decided maybe this is the time to delve deep into do something which, is, which can really impact the world. And I entered the world of startups. Subsequent to that, I joined another startup called uh, called Peel, which is a Mountain View startup. And I was managing their global business. That gave me an opportunity to travel across the world. And till this point, I was a knowledge guy, if I have to say that. But some things happened here while I was there. So... Uh, one thing is I was traveling like 27 days a month. I was either in China or in Korea or in Japan, Taiwan. One of these places where I was managing the market, I was trying to distribute the product. Something, one of the most important aspects in a startup is to, to take the product to the market. And I was just doing that. So it was an amazing opportunity for me. Now, what happened Dylan, at that point was that I used to weigh something like 200 plus pounds at that time maybe 20 pounds plus. And uh, I'm like five feet eight. Till that time, my weight, my body, it really never mattered to me because I was all about the knowledge. Uh, physical looks never mattered. The physical fitness never mattered. mattered. The physical health never mattered, to be honest. And uh, this one day when uh, I, this dawned on me that I hadn't seen many people not taking care of themselves, doing much for, for the world. Uh, I mean, um, it was a very unnerving scenario. So in the, in the heat of the moment, I signed up for a cycling race that happens in Bhutan, the toughest one-day cycling challenge. It's called Tour of the Dragon, yeah, Dragon Fury. Now, I showed up for that, uh, that race and everybody else was a known athlete. Uh, this guy, what's he doing there? I ended up finishing the, that race. I came last. I had no experience cycling at that point in time. And this was in the, the deep Himalayas. So 
3,000 meters and above, right? So uh, 10,000 feet and above in, in the feet. So uh, I was the happiest guy. Nobody could understand why is this guy so happy. And uh, I mean, because this was because I could do something, I could experience something I would have never imagined in my dreams, right? So <clears throat> uh, I realized that anything is possible. We, it's not the body, it's not, it's not the mind. It's all possible out there. We just setting limits for ourselves. If I can do this, anybody can. I went on to run 80 marathons after that all over the world, no training for a single day. I've never trained. Uh, I ran on water in Vladivostok in Russia, which is frozen seas. I have run on uh, volcano rim in uh, Indonesia in, on different volcanoes. I have run in temple towns, in deep valleys, everywhere. I mean, you name it, uh, trans Himalayas, thin air, everywhere, and no training. I'm not trying to say that I'm a superman. All I'm trying to say is anybody could, if I could, anybody can, right? So many times you feel it's not for us. Maybe you need somebody else to do this. No, I mean, you can do it. <laughs> it's just that you don't need to think too much about it. Just do it. Don't, 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 don't make a fuss of it. Don't, don't make it bigger than what it is. Uh, I, I decided let's take it up a notch again. And then I thought, let's do triathlons. Now, I grew up in India, in small towns of India where there is no swimming culture. It's not like Cupertino or Fremont that people are getting swimming classes. It's like once in your lifetime, you experience water when you visit a beach. Uh, and all you do is you sit on the shore, wait for the waves to come and touch you because you don't know anything that you can do. There's no water sport that you know. And uh, uh, what happened was that I taught myself swimming. I learned swimming on YouTube from a lady who's based out of San Francisco. And thanks to her, I mean, uh, now we learn so many things on internet, but then that's because of COVID. This was pre, way pre-COVID. I went on to do an Ironman 70.3. I went on to do an ITU, which is an Olympic qualifier. I also uh, did triathlons in the Himalayas in Nepal, which is near the Annapurna base camp. Many different places, all over, all different seas. And all this while, I still don't know how to swim. Just that, I mean... The resolve was if you can last in the water for three hours without really stopping, depth doesn't matter. Now, in this process, why I'm saying all this is that I was exploring my physicality. This time, by this time, I had hiked almost all the hikable mountains of Asia that, that don't require a technical climbing. And uh, I met somebody in Mongolia. I was cycling there. I was for a three-day cycling event. And I met somebody who was coming to India to learn yoga. And I thought, wow, I mean, I grew up in India. People all over the world talk about yoga. They have different meanings to it. And I haven't really explored it. So I thought, let's go do this. Let's not stop short of what, when I'm in the trial mode, all things that I'm trying, let's just go do this. And I came back to India. I was fortunate to have class a session with, uh, I mean, a training under uh, the renowned master Sadhguru, who has become really popular now. His team taught taught me, and I started with that. Still, I mean, it was something great to experience, but life was just going on the way it was. Subsequently, in a roughly like six, eight months later, I started getting into more exploratory mode with meditations. And Sadhguru was the guide for me. 
I mean, I would just spend hours watching his videos. I showed up in his ashram, which is uh, his school in a way, got into deeper and deeper states of meditation, one after the other. And I thought, I mean, nothing that I have done till now, I've done mental stuff. I have done the, uh, what people try to do in their career. I've done a fair bit of it. I was fortunate to be part of successful startups. I was fortunate to be studying in a great school. I was fortunate to be associated with some great teams that built great products. Then I was fortunate enough to be running these endurance sport marathons, the triathlons. And nothing gave me the kind of completion that I got when I got into these meditative states. It just completed everything. It brought meaning to everything that was going on. By this time, I was traveling a lot. I was speaking, I could speak like three international languages. And I was meeting people all over the world because I was driving global business for a startup, building them in different territories. What I realized was that aspirations of people everywhere are very similar. Their cultures may be different. And at the same time, the roadblocks to their achievements are very similar. And they're mostly internal than external. We are setting limits to ourselves, right? This is what my marathons taught me. This is what the cycling race in Bhutan taught me. And this is what we are trying to solve with Amham. And that's how Amham was born. Amham didn't come straight. We tried two different products before this. And still, the shape it took was that it, it helps you reach your potential. And when we say that, we're not talking of giving you any guidance. It is more about a guided self-care, a care that you have access to. And it is tailored to any and everyone out there, right? A Dylan can, can access it, an Avril can access it. Access it. <clears throat> Somebody else, a Jonathan can access it in their own flavor, in their own language. And that too, they have access to the best mentors in the world who help them become their best version. It's not about changing you at times. It's also about making sure that any and everybody has access to self-care, right? So, and we can talk on it later, but that's, uh, that's how the journey has been till now. Till yeah, um, so you certainly have a very inspiring and successful career, which leads us to sort of ask what advice you would give current high school students who also wish to embark on their own entrepreneur journey and also make an impact in their community, um, whether it be starting a business or going into the business industry itself. What do you think are the top three skills or traits that you believe us high school students should acquire earlier in their lives to help them through this process? Uh the list is countless, Rachel. I mean, some things that I feel are really, really, that have helped, that has always helped me. And I've seen it working for others. One is rigor, right? You can't just give up on things. Many a times things may not go your way, but then I see this as the sense of not just giving up, even if you're not seeing success at times, right? Other than that, the other piece that has always, always helped me is being coachable. There are enough people out there. In fact, the entire world is present there to help you become what you can, right? It's just that we listen to a, a taste, a certain version of advice. We don't listen to all of it. As long as we are open to that, right? We can really, really become the best version of ourselves because everybody else is invested into it. 
It's just that we are not tuning into the right frequencies. It's like the old TV, right? Where you used to, you used to have an antenna and it had to be pointed in a given direction. So uh, coachability is something that I believe is really critical. Now, the third aspect would be openness. So while rigor is important, while coachability is important, the third thing is that you have always to be open up to the new. What I have, what life has taught me is that when you hold on to your ideas, then you are already becoming old because the ideas are not important. The ability to catch on to the currents is more important than that. And you can do that only if you're open to new things. If you're always open to listen, open to just open to anything out there, right? Now, it's a balance between these three. Uh, one may claim any kind of a sentence or any kind of a clause just by on openness, saying that, you know what, openness means this, this to me or X to me or Y to me or Z to me. It's a balance between these three that you have to be open enough, you have to have rigor, and you have to be coachable. As long as students don't miss out on these, they'll definitely go where they have to. Yes, I've seen through like school and other places, like being coachable often is very helpful. And people usually like to work with people that are coachable and just like being knowing that you always just be resilient not to give up has also proven to be very effective. So most of our listeners are also high school students. So I'm very sure that this advice will help out a lot of them. Our next question is about just honing in more on your specific contributions to the mental health industry. So like specifically what drove you to create Omhum and in comparison to like other choices to better one's mental health? See, when I started Omhum, uh, there were enough products in the, in the mental health space that are already existing. There was Calm doing really well. There was Headspace doing pretty well. I had, let's say, Insight Timer in the same space, and there were enough apps on other aspects. These were mostly focused on self-care and meditation. While there, there was enough set of products available for journaling, for, uh, for counseling, for access to right kind of an advice. I mean, it was all there. Now, one aspect that was always missing out in all of these was that everyone was seeing mental health in a silo. It's like you have health and you have mental health. How is that even possible? I mean, I mean, I come from a yoga background and yoga means union where everything comes together. It's not about contortions. It's not about contorting your body in a thousand different ways. It's about balance of everything. It's about where everything meets. That's you meeting your ultimate self is yoga your physical self and your mental self meeting is is yoga so the realization that all these products are trying to give a template of utility saying that you know what health existed now create mental health and let's talk about it that's a stretch of product creation if you ask me Uh, mental health can't be seen in silo so we thought let's create something that connects back to the health overall health holistic well-being but then has mental health in the centerpiece, right? Although it talks mental health, but it's about holistic health. Because you can't separate them out. It's not that you have a physiological state and you have a different emotional state. It's not possible. The way you are, your mental state, it guides how your body's reacting or or forming. So you can't separate them out. 
At the same time, there was another driver that I was initiated by a master. I realized that the way I was taught meditation was way different from what is being shared out. It's not about the content. It's not about just doing one practice one day, the other practice the other day. This space is more like, and mental health is a part of it. There's a connection to that. It's like if you have to reach water, you don't dig all over the earth. You dig at one place deep enough, right? And any of the master-driven meditations or mentor-driven meditations were always like that. They give you a practice that you can use when, whenever you want. In fact, it's not even about whenever you want. It's about just do it no matter what. This is the practice that you keep. Now, most of these products that existed were trying to, to sell you one meditation a day. Okay, today is the day for A. Tomorrow is the day for B. Something like today we'll do guided visualization, one technique. Tomorrow we would do body scan, another technique. Now, you've shopped enough for content. Everybody has tried, I mean, used Netflix. You don't need another Netflix for spiritual or mental health entertainment. You don't need that, right? So that's where we came up with Amham with the promise that we will bring experts on board. It's not us who is offering anything. It's just a platform. What we would make sure that we get the right experts to come into that. So we brought experts from mental health. We brought the, the right therapists. We brought doctors. We brought these meditation, world-renowned meditation masters. We brought in performers. And it's a small team still because we are still in the early stage. We are, we are still pre-series A. But then we can always scale it if we build it the right way. At the same time, there's a feedback that is built for the end user. Nobody was doing this. I thought if I can walk 10,000 steps just by a Fitbit watch on my, on my hand, why not make it feedback enabled so that people do have a motivation of going ahead and seeing what's really happening to them, right? Really channelizing all of that. And this feedback makes it really real. It's not just somebody playing a guidance. So these were some of the factors. But overall, if you look at even the data, the, even the World Economic Forum says that if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, more than $3 billion are lost every year. Sorry, not billions, trillions if I'm not wrong, right? $3 trillion are lost every year. It's a loss to the economy out of all the all the direct and indirect aspects of mental health. It's supposed to grow to $16 trillion in the uh, next eight, nine years, right? And that's more cost than cancer, heart diseases, and any other major disease that you can think of, them combined, right? That's the loss to the economy. Now, if we are not solving this, then what is it that we are solving? There was a time when everybody do, did more of a physical work, Every, every kid that is growing now is spending more and more time in front of some screen or the other, right? Uh, we know how to deal with our body, but we still don't know how to deal with our mind well enough. And we can't, again, put it in a silo that, you know what, this is how the mind is dealt with. No, to train the body, we can go to the gym, we can keep it fit. But when it comes to overall fitness, mind has a more, a, a bigger component now compared to before. And we are still struggling to find how to do this. And that's where we look for all these 
different aspects that we can control or things that we can shop for. If somebody is shopping for meditation, someone is shopping for counseling, somebody is shopping for something else. All of this is helpful. But effectively, it's you, it's me, it's the user who is supposed to inculcate all of this. If he's not forming the habit, none of it is going to help. So our focus is to make sure that there's a habit formation. for me. So yeah, I mean, uh, that's when we started. It was 2019 mid that, that when we started working on it, it came out in one shape, but subsequently, as we learned, uh, learned from the market as, as to what is the market ready to accept, the product became what it is right now. Yeah. So your personal background, I think in meditation combined with the idea that it's really focused on the people makes Amhama a creative product that also meets the needs of your users. Um, so I assume that some of your consumers and customers already recognize that there is a potential to improve their mental health, which is why they use Amham. Um, what steps do you think are needed to actually help people who aren't aware that their mental health is lacking to actually go out and seek help in their community? See, one of the first things is to, is to realize that it's okay to have a problem, right? It's not that one would not belong to the community if one has one is dealing with something. I mean, I often hear people saying that, you know what, the, uh, I love stress because stress makes me do more. I mean, if you're stressed all the time, would your output be good? Now, uh, people are trying to justify their situations like this, that, you know what, stress is great. Stress is not cool. I mean, who, who would want to, I mean, given a choice, would you want to be happy or would you want to be stressed? It's simple. I mean, why would you choose stressed? So the first thing that we need to do is to recognize that it's okay to have these, these situations. And on top of it, one can seek help for them. Another aspect that I couldn't talk on before, and that's a key facet, and uh, I would cover it here, is that even when seeking solutions, right, it becomes really isolated. Self-care is all self. It's not, it's not community. And uh, as you just said, I mean, uh, what help can one seek from the community? One is to open up to it. And we brought that in Amham. Amham is a social self-care network where anybody who is invested into you is helping you right? It's not just you. So, uh, and that starts by, by just sharing it with others that I'm, I'm going through the situation. Many times we go through, our behavior is affected by the state that we are in. If somebody is going through a depressive state, they may not be eating food properly. They may be having a short temper and other people start questioning. I mean, why is somebody behaving like this? Why is this person behaving in a given fashion. Now, there's quite a denial of one, what one is going through. Denial doesn't help, right? And the, as a community, one has to create an environment to recognize that it's okay to be like this because this is not an exception. This is the rule. I mean, the world we are living in, the information, the degree of information we are munching upon, we are bound to have a diarrhea, informational diarrhea that would probably show up in one or the other form of of issues that we end up in, end up uh, going through. And it's completely okay because it's not that person's fault. It is, and many times there's a taboo attached to the clinical version of it. We, we are trying to, and everybody is trying to, but we can only try to remove that, that taboo, right? But 
it's not always clinical as well. Many a times, uh, it's just about going and opening up to a friend. Um, a friend may not have the right advice at times because they are probably going through the sim through similar situations. But still, it, to open up, it's, it's important. And then to know that there is help available somewhere. So the community has to make sure that there, are, there is enough form of help that is available. And it is available for everyone, not in one version. It can't be for version A or version B. It has to be something that works for different kind of people. It should work for a teenager. It should work for a working woman. It should work for my grandparents, to anyone, right? To me, help has to be there. And not everybody is gonna consume it the same way. They may, they may accept it the same way, but they may, not, they may not use it eventually. It may not be useful, Rachel. So that's the role community must play. Make sure that enough options are available out there. Thanks for sharing that. And I think that oftentimes it's the first step in like being able to change is just to know that you have to recognize that there is a problem. So moving on a little bit, what like, inspiring stories can you tell about how mental health positively affected someone's professional performance? And if there was like a situation where it became actually a negative effect incited by the mental health? Great to say where it became, uh, if somebody took some steps and it, it, it came out negative. I mean, I haven't seen a scenario like that, but there are enough stories on the positive front stuff to pick one we have users who come for very different re reasons right to um, uh, there are students who are coming here to focus on studies there are there are women who are coming here looking for relationship advice and more than that to, to sort out uh, what's going on in their life without picking any specific example from Amham, uh, which is and this is all from what they have written back this is what they share saying that Thank you, Amham, for doing this, for making this available to us. In the professional life, I have seen people who, uh, who became non-responsive and taking blame for everything that was going on. Now, there's a, there's a certain individual who wrote to me, and uh, the story goes that this person always blamed herself for what was going on in her life. She became part of a certain group that was in, uh, that was some sort of a neo-religious experience somewhere that worked for her for some time, but then later on, it nothing was really changing. Subsequently, I could see changes in her, as she mentions, when she started on one practice that was given by somebody, not even on Amham. Somebody gave her a practice and the idea was that this one practice must be done every day. It doesn't matter what the practice was. I don't think there, there was much to that practice and that, that I am responsible. I can respond. It doesn't mean that I have to take the blame. Being able to respond, which is taking the responsibility is different from taking the blame for things, which is the action, right? So this is what she tells me, a major change in her life. And uh, she was not growing in her workplace. She went on to, she got an admit into a, a, a design student who got admit into a 
very prestigious New York-based design school. And uh, she's looking forward to proceed further on that front. Now, the condition that she was going through, I mean, she has, she had met doctors, I mean, uh, therapists. They all had the right thing to tell her. It's just that she was not able to start with that. Whatever was told, she knew that she has to change, but she could not on her own. She needed somebody to work with her on a regular basis to make that happen, right? And uh, I mean, we we were able to play a small role in that, that we had mentors who were, who were working with her. I mean, I have seen that just the idea of knowing that there are people around somebody who are invested into their success, into their mental well-being, overall well-being, brings a change like that. And this person is the right example for that, right? Negative effect. Some people who didn't find the right taste in one place uh, of help, forget about Amram in general, uh, they found it somewhere else eventually. So I haven't seen people getting lost on the way. I've seen them finally, finally finding the right help. As long as they were out there seeking, as long as they were open. And the, the, the idea that we discussed at the beginning was students too, as one of the three qualities. Yeah, so um, I definitely emphasize, number one, the idea of actually responding and perhaps doing the same thing every day to sort of establish some sort of routine in our lives. Um, another thing is that I definitely agree that there are typically more positive experiences um, intertwined with mental health than negative, and I think that's something that's really inspiring to see in our society. So moving on to our last question, and just to wrap things up for the high school students, um, in your career, you've probably seen many ups and downs of large corporations and individuals. What are three main mistakes you have witnessed um, along your entrepreneurship journey and advice uh, that you would give students or maybe college students on to perhaps avoid making mistakes when they are forming these corporations and starting their own companies? So one is uh, not trusting yourself enough. So the thing that you that always comes back is that the grass is always greener on the other side. You would be working on something and somebody else would come and say, you know what, that's how it would work great. That's a great advice, but you only know the rigor through which what has what has what is available now has come into shape, right? So it has to fit into that. I have seen people and I have made those mistakes as well. I would admit to that. That you throw what you have done till now into water just by someone's advice because you look up to them in some way. Now, uh, don't do that. <laughs> Scenarios are different. So you have to take the advice and see how it fits into what, what, what you're trying to do. Right? So the other piece is to try and find meaning in what's already present. So entrepreneurship is a lot about iteration. It's not about over-investing into one way or the other. Because you may have a great idea, you may be building something great, but there might not be the right way of expression of that or acceptance of that in the market. So uh, something that may not work now may work 10 years down, but you can't be building that right now. Right? So for any venture to really work, it needs to have all its pieces working. It can't be about one piece or the other. And that's where there are mistakes made by, by entrepreneurs, by, by trying people trying to do anything new. That at times it becomes one trick pony 
as it's called, right? So if you know something good, you feel, okay, let me just chisel this well enough. Let me just go to the depth of it. That's okay, but it may not be able to survive by that, just that one quality. There is timing to everything. So my grandfather used to say this, that dreams are like seeds and you should keep them. You shouldn't, and when you get the right kind of environment, you sow them, right? So that they can become trees. So they are very potent seeds overall. Now, this is how I always proceeded before. And the realization there was that it's actually a mistake. You can't just be keeping all the seeds with you. You can let somebody, someone else sow the seed that you have. And the real joy is in seeing the plant growing. That's what you want to see. It's not about you planting that. When you eat a mango, you don't, it's not coming from a plant that you grew. It, it comes from a plant because the plant exists. The same thing applies to ideas. The, the same thing applies to task uh, delegation. That uh, because entrepreneurs have an idea, they invest their blood and sweat into it. Many a times they become overprotective of what they're doing. And because of which, energies of other people, other collaborations, those possibilities get hampered. Now, uh, the seed example that if, if you have an idea and you feel that you are not having the right means to right now execute it, just talk about it in the open. You never know who is interested in, to, in sowing that seed, right? And the real part is not about the idea, it's the execution. So if you have so much passion about an idea or about, about seeing a change, you will anyways play a role into that in some way or the other. So keeping everything for posterity is not the right, right thing to do. And that's where the advice is that don't, don't do that. Talk it out. I mean, let, if, you, if, if you have something that you think should happen, talk about it. You don't need to do it all the time. Others can do it, right? So don't just keep it to yourself. Uh, that would be the third, third one out there, Rachel. Yeah, so um, that was actually the last question. So thank you for sharing all of your experiences and advice. We really appreciate it. We actually owe a huge thank you to you for joining our podcast. And we hope your insight will also answer any questions aspiring business leaders and also current high schoolers have at the same time. So thank you awesome. for your time. Happy thank you so be, much. Happy, happy to be here. Thank you for being with me today. And that concludes our podcast episode for today. Thank you to all of our listeners for staying to the end, and we encourage you to check out our other released episodes and feature episodes as well. We'll see you in the next one.